Welcome to the Spot On Podcast, brought to you by the Melanoma and Skin Cancer Advocacy Network, MSCAN. The show gives you a baseline understanding and knowledge about skin cancer to help navigate that journey ahead through diagnosis and treatment. Ocular melanoma is a less common type of melanoma that can be found in different parts of the eye. It affects one in six to eight million people, and like any melanoma or skin cancer, is better when diagnosed early. In this episode, we delve into the symptoms and what potentially causes an ocular melanoma, how it can be diagnosed, and the level of risk, treatment options, and a treating team, what happens after treatment, and clinical trials around ocular melanoma. To help understand more about ocular melanoma, we're fortunate enough to speak to Dr. Leanne Lim, an ophthalmologist and ocular oncologist with a special interest in managing patients with cancer of the eye. We also speak to Professor Anthony Joshua, medical oncologist and chair of the Australian Ocular Melanoma Alliance. Thanks so much for joining. It's great to be able to speak to you in person here in your rooms, Professor Joshua. Let's set the scene firstly, introduce yourself, Leanne. So I'm an ophthalmologist or eye doctor who um, focuses primarily on eye cancers in adults and children. And so I'm a medical oncologist. That means that I give treatments to people with cancer and medical oncologists generally subspecialize, certainly medical oncologists in the city. So one of the areas that I focus on is on ocular melanoma to help patients either get through the treatments or if the melanoma does spread, which we'll come to later, how to treat it. Got you. And so you, being the spot on podcast, speaking about skin cancer, people might typically think of you know lesions on their skin. And that's what a lot of Australians would hear and see on day to day. But Leanne, let's set the scene. Firstly, what is ocular melanoma? In your eye mm. or around your eye. So it's cancer of the melanocytes or pigmented cells, same as this pigmented cells that you have in your skin, but these cells are around your eye. So you can get an ocular melanoma that affects your eyelid or the conjunctiva, which is the white part of your eye, or the iris, which is the colored part of your eye, or it can even be around inside your eye in a place called the choroid or the uvea and that's the blood vessel layer that is behind the retina and if you think about the iris the colored part of your eye and go all the way back that's where uveal melanoma lives so right in the back of your eye okay is it a common thing it's not very common fortunately Mm. how does someone know that they might have signs of ocular melanoma Yeah, so obviously on the front of the eye, it's a bit easier to see it. They might notice a pigmented or sometimes not pigmented, not coloured, a kind of spot or lump on their eyelid or on the front surface of their eye. But for the ones that are inside the eye, often they can not have any symptoms at all or sometimes presents with changes in their vision, so flashing lights or blurry vision. I see. So you'd see something on the eye or you would notice it from your actual vision. Do do you feel it? Does it hurt or can you feel a different thing? Usually no pain Mm. unless there are other complications that cause pain in the eye, but usually painless vision changes. What causes ocular melanoma? Unfortunately, we don't really know what causes it. We've not been able to find any direct linkage of causative factors. A lot of people ask about the sun because obviously Mm. that has something to do with skin melanoma and that might have a bit more of a role to play for ones on the surface of the eye, but for the ones in the back of the eye, We really still don't know. So it's nothing that people have done, eaten, drank, smoked, anything like that. But often arises from a mole or a pre-existing mole. So you can get moles in your eye as well, which a lot of people don't know. Hmm. But similar to the moles on your skin, you can also get little moles 
on the surface of your eye or in the back of your eye. So it's just luck of a draw. Yeah, these moles that sit there, like the ones on your skin, sometimes can undergo changes and can transform oh. into a melanoma. I see. And, and does it run in the family? Most of the time, no. Hmm. Okay. So just because you, you're someone else in the family might have had it, then potentially it's, it's not something that, that fo- follows through. You're more and more risk. Yeah, very rarely it hmm. is linked to a family member. And we've talked about cancer cells on the podcast before. Are are cancer cells in ocular melanoma different to other types of cancer cells? Yeah, so even though they are both called melanoma, they behave quite differently to skin melanoma in the way that they spread through the body and also in the way that they respond to different types of drugs. So is there an easy way to describe them? (laughs) (laughs) I guess they're similar in the way that they often arise from a pre-existing mole Mm. that, like ones on the skin, undergo changes in their appearance or size, and that is often how we diagnose your mole might be transforming into a melanoma. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of behavior of how they spread, uveal melanoma is actually quite interesting in its genetics in that some of them are more likely to spread and some of them rarely spread at all. And, you know, we know with melanoma and other types of skin cancers, if you detect it early, it's much better for everyone involved. Is it similar for melanoma? Absolutely. Early detection, still the key. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what if you don't detect it early? They're still treatable locally, and we also have now treatments also for the rest of the body also. So does it spread from? from it can the- spread from the eye, which is why we need to treat them early gotcha. so they don't. And how is it diagnosed? So it's a clinical diagnosis, which means that your eye doctor or your optometrist might pick up a spot that they think looks suspicious. And then we have a look at it and do a series of different investigations or tests in the eye clinic to help us decide if this is a melanoma or not. So your potentially it would be your ophthalmologist or optometrist or even potentially a family GP. Potentially. So, yeah, if you had some changes in your vision, your GP might refer you on to an optometrist or ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do a whole series of different investigations. So, we have a look in the back of the eye. We do different photographs, ultrasound and other imaging tests that help us to diagnose it as a melanoma. So, that there's different imaging and having a look. We know also with skin cancer, taking a biopsy is a good way then for the next step. Is that the same thing with eyes? That sounds pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if it's easily accessible, then we can take a biopsy. So on the eyelid, it's not too difficult. On the white of the eye or the conjunctiva, if it's not too big, also we can take it out and have a look at it under the microscope. Inside the eye, it gets a little bit more difficult. Mm. So the biopsies tend to be a lot smaller. So a fine needle aspiration biopsy where you're just taking a few cells rather than the whole lesion out. It's got you. Yeah, yeah. there's not much room there to put a scalpel in your eye. So mm, I no, the biopsy, not very forgiving the eye. No, <laughs> <that> right. <laughs> right. I, I imagine then from a patient like that, you know, do, doing anything with your eyes and vision, that's quite a sensitive topic and something that, that patients would be wanting to know a fair bit about as they, they go through, even just getting the biopsy done, right? Yeah, absolutely, which is why we don't always do a biopsy, but it can be done in certain circumstances. And so you get the biopsy done and then it goes off for pathology? Yeah, so sometimes if we do take some cells out, we'll be able to confirm if it is a melanoma, if there's some doubt, or be able to get some other genetic information about the tumour. But most of the time, it's something that we diagnose by having a look rather than from a biopsy. And are there different 
stages of ocular melanoma as well? Yeah. So for the ones inside the eye, uveal melanoma, we tend to class them in terms of size, so small, medium and large. I tend to talk to my patients in terms of small, medium and large because that also directs the treatment that they may have thereafter and also their prognosis and how we have to monitor them thereafter in terms of the rest of their body. And so the treatment, so the biopsy, so the pathology comes back and then it's about treating it. So does that involve surgery, I imagine? Are there different types of surgery that can be performed? Yeah, depending on the size of the tumour, our treatment options include radiation and there's a few different ways that we can deliver the radiation Mm -hmm. one of them does include surgery which is where we do a surgery to actually put a radioactive disc on the eye and that delivers really focal radiation just to the tumor in that eye and doesn't deliver any radiation to much of the rest of the body but sometimes if the tumors are in a more hard to reach place then we use radiation that can be beamed in from outside. That's called a stereotactic radiation. And sometimes when tumours are really large, we do still remove the whole eye. That's called a nucleation and can still be a really good treatment Mm. if people do have really large tumours. Got it. And that would obviously stop it then from spreading to other parts of the body. Yeah, stop it from growing any larger and developing any more mutations that would make it at higher risk for spreading to the rest of the body. And is surgery typically done as like a day surgery type thing? Is it? A- yeah. So patients who have this, it's called plaque brachytherapy or the radiation surgery, they have a surgery to put the radiation on the eye and then they stay in hospital for a number of days mm-hmm. um, and then have another surgery to take the radiation off the eye and then all of their radiation treatment is complete. So does the radiation, is that considered surgical? Is there like other treatment options there? Like what's- yeah, so the surgery, I guess, is to put the radiation mm. um, source on the eye, but it's just a way of delivering radiation, really. And so you can also deliver the radiation using a machine that beams it in from outside and that doesn't require a surgery. So, yeah, if the tumours are right around the back of the eye and difficult to access that can be a good option also yeah one thing you know i've learned a lot in diving into different areas of skin cancer is there's always many different clinicians and stakeholders involved in in the treatment pathway for a patient i imagine that's no different in this instance as well yes usually starts off as you mentioned from the gp or Mm. from the optometrist and then sometimes people visit a general ophthalmologist who might then refer you on to an ocular oncologist who is an eye doctor who sees eye cancers and as these are quite rare there's a few of us around Australia and then from there on you may also come across medical oncologists or radiation oncologists. And I would think too that there would be potentially psychological impacts for patients as well, mental health, potentially a psychologist could also be involved. Absolutely, yeah. Usually after the diagnosis and after the treatment, we definitely try and involve as many people as we can to try and support the patient through their journey because it often does come as a big shock. Most people don't know that they can get a cancer in their eye, so it's the last thing that they're thinking of. Of course, of course. So I guess I come into picture in, in two general areas. One is sort of standard treatment and the other one is in clinical trials. In terms of standard treatment, uh, Leanne and I work closely together in terms of following up patients that have seen Leanne. So they'll, they'll typically see, see Leanne, they'll get their treatment, and then Leanne will then send them to me to discuss with the patient potentially how risky their melanoma was and then what we're going to do in terms of monitoring them. Mm. So what I do is I talk to the patient understand what's happened with their tumour, understand some of the pathology results and the genetic results sometimes, and then tell the patient, look, your risk is high, medium or low. And in terms of that risk, here's our schedule of scans that we're going to do to hopefully keep track of things and make sure 
that if the melanoma does come back, if the melanoma comes back, mm. that we catch it early. And then if we catch it early, then we can, you know, give you some treatment. And then if that does happen, and then we work, when we talk about what those treatments would be. So that's a long journey uh, with many of those patients because these melanomas can come back within a year or the latest I've seen is 34 years after they had their eye removed. But generally speaking, there's a couple of humps when they tend to come back. So generally, the more aggressive ones tend to come back between two or three years and the less aggressive ones tend to come back between eight to 10 years. So we have to keep a close schedule on these patients. There are some guidelines, international guidelines about what scans you do, how often you do them to make sure that you catch these things early. And now that we're in an era we have, where we, that we have treatments for ocular melanoma, then there's definitely good reason to catch them early. Mm. That's the standard treatment that Leanne and I work together on. And we're also doing some exciting research in terms of clinical trials. Mm. And, and those clinical trials, both patients that have their melanoma in their eye and, and trying to shrink that melanoma and prevent it coming back with certain drugs, as well as when the melanoma has come back to try and shrink it better and faster than we have done before. So we work together quite closely on both of those uh, research trajectories, mm. uh, work closely with both consumer-based organizations such as Melanoma Patients Australia and Ocumel Australia New Zealand, which is the Ocular Melanoma specific group. And we have a group called the Australian Ocular Melanoma Alliance, which tries to bring both consumers and patients and advocates and carers all together to help with care and mm. research of patients with ocular melanoma. Interesting. And could you mentioned at some point, you know, there's the international standards and the, the way that this would be treated globally and there's some different associations and support that's provided here in Australia. We know that skin cancer, Australia and New Zealand, skin cancer capitals of the world, is ocular melanoma something seen everywhere around the world? Because it's not necessarily... Like, how have you seen at a more grander scale Australia versus other parts of the world when it comes to this? So the rates in Australia are generally six to eight per million people. So it's a rare, it's a rare cancer. It's slightly higher in males, but there was some suggestion in the literature that maybe the rates were a little bit higher in Australia than elsewhere, but I'm not sure necessarily if that's been confirmed. But you can imagine that six to eight per million people is very hard to actually work out if it's slightly higher in Australia compared to anywhere else. But there are some certain ethnic populations that very rarely get melanoma, but that six to eight per million is sort of the Anglo-Saxon average number. So, um, and that applies around the world to any Anglo-Saxon population, mm. but certainly it's very rare in the indigenous population, for example. So that's sort of where we are, but certainly in Australia, we're quite organized in terms of the referral pathways. We've got very highly qualified, excellent ophthalmologists like Leanne in every state that deal with this. So there's the volume quality relationship is there and patients can be reassured that they're seeing world experts wherever they are. And also from a medical oncology point of view, also quite organized and have excellent support groups. Uh, this Facebook group, Ocumel Australia New Zealand is very active, providing a lot of support for patients who've now got a national ocular melanoma nurse that can sort of do Zoom calls with patients to help them with mm -hmm. things. So we are trying to make sure that no one feels left behind. Yes. Uh, no other patients feel left behind. They have all the resources they need. And there were some good booklets recently produced through the Melanoma Institute of Australia that also assist with patient education and, and the like. So I think, you know, we're, we're certainly working at a, an international standard um, in terms of the care these patients receive in Australia. So that's something that is very pleasing that everyone's very happy to work together for the betterment of the patients yeah. across the country. You mentioned potentially there was some different cultures or ethnicities that may or may not be more susceptible. Are there particular risk factors or other risk factors when it comes to ocular melanoma? So, I mean, there are some very general risk factors, but A, I don't necessarily want to panic anybody mm. because the risk for getting ocular melanoma when you have some of those risk factors is only like 
a few percent higher than the general population, mm. which as I mentioned was six to eight per million. So if it's like a 10% risk, your risk goes from 6.6 per million. So they're very hard to quantify aside from welders who don't use a mask. So if you engage in, in welding and you don't have a mask on, then your risk is double. Mm. But aside from welding, there are some very subtle things in terms of having light colored eyes and being fair complexion and some very and family history are very subtle risk factors, which I don't think the general population need to be concerned about. And if you have concerns that there's cancer in the family, then you can certainly talk to a professional about that. Yeah, not for cause for alarm for those specific reasons, but wearing masks while welding, that's a good yeah, yeah, so wearing masks if you're a spot welder is yes. very sensible. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that on for when yes. I get, get home. Um, we talked about cancer spreading from the eye. What kind of tests are done to determine that oculonoma specifically has spread to other parts of the body? It's a very good question. So we do a number of types of scans, depending on sort of where we are. There's a standard CT scan. That's a, a CAT scan, sort of scan used for any cancer. That's pretty good. Mm. We do a PET scan, which is usually combined with the CT scan. What they do is they give you a bit of, um, it's like radioactive sugar, and that may accumulate in the melanoma, make it easier to see when they do the scan. And we also do scan MRI scans. So MRI scans are scans that use instead of radiation to see inside the body, a magnetism to see inside the body. And they're very good just for looking at the liver and looking at the, the brain and the eyeball itself. They're not mm -hmm. very good at looking at the lungs and the rest of the body. So sometimes we'll use an MRI scan because the melanoma, if it does come back, tends to go to the liver. So if we're very concerned about the liver and it's part of sort of the strategy that we discuss with every patient, We'll say, you know what, let's do an MRI of the liver. And the government's actually now started to help with that in terms of paying for some of those MRIs once a year. Mm. So that's certainly been very beneficial in terms of the patients that I deal with because yeah. the MRIs are very good at looking at the liver and the liver is where I'm most concerned about the melanoma coming back. And you know, we talked about the different stakeholders and clinicians that would be involved. At what point on a patient's journey does a medical oncologist become involved? Yes, so my practice with Leanne is that we get involved in the monitoring mm -hmm. after Leanne's done the eye treatment, be that radiation or nucleation or what have you. So we get involved in the monitoring and we get involved in the treatment if it does come back. Yeah. So not so much anymore, but certainly f five years ago when we didn't have this system in place, some patients would uh, not necessarily have that strict monitoring and they would suddenly become unwell. And then the medical oncologists would get involved. But these days we monitor them all very closely so if anything, we do find anything, we're on top of it very quickly. And then we can institute a treatment to keep it under control. And we've talked about advanced cancers at different points on the show as well. In the context of ocular melanoma, what does advanced cancer mean? So it means that the cancer is spread usually to the liver. And then unlike other cancers that spread to lymph glands, which is usually the next stage, ocular melanoma tends to go straight into the blood and then pop up in the liver. Now, we have reasons for that we don't understand. So there's no point looking at the lymph nodes around the eye. If the melanoma spreads, it doesn't go there. Unlike other cancers, it's a very unique circumstance that this melanoma, if it does escape the eyeball, tends to go straight into the blood and then land in the liver. So there are some reasons for that we think we know, but it tells me I know this is where I need to look. I need to look in the liver. Thinking about treatment options then for advanced OM, are there different medicines that are available for that treatment? Yeah, so, th so there are, generally speaking, medicines which are now available. The most exciting advance in ocular melanoma in the last decade has been the first drug which was specifically designed for ocular melanoma. It's a type of immunotherapy that works for ocular melanoma. So the immunotherapies we use for skin melanoma, they're very good, mm -hmm. but they don't work in ocular melanoma well. They do work occasionally, but they don't work well. They don't work well enough mm -hmm. that we are enthusiastic about using them. 
But there is a new medication called Kimtrak or Tibentafusp, which is a specific type of immunotherapy designed specifically for ocular melanoma. And what they've done, it's very clever, is that they've designed a hook. This hook hooks onto the melanoma and the other part of the hook hooks onto the immune system cells. And so every time an immune system cell flies past this drug, Mm. it gets hooked on and turned on and the immune system cell then gets attacks what's nearby, which is the melanoma. So this drug forms a bridge between the melanoma and the immune system because most of the time the immune system cells just fly on by and they don't go and attack. So this drug is a bridge. And so you get an injection of this drug and the drug will attach itself to the melanoma and then have this thing dangling out in the blood. And every time an immune cell flies past, it gets grabbed by the drug and then it gets activated and told to attack what's nearby, which is the melanoma. That drug has some positives and some negatives. The positive is if it works, generally speaking, it doubles your chance of being alive at any point in time. So compared Mm. to people that took other less useful drugs. Mm. So your chance of being at six months, 12 months, 24 months is double taking less effective drugs. So that's amazing. But the downside is it's unfortunately not for everybody. So drug was designed to cover the most common Anglo-Saxon immune system. So that's in about 30 odd percent of the white population around the world. So that's obviously not everybody. And that is a bit of a challenge because there's still a large number of the population that don't have this specific type of immune system that drugs being designed to hook onto and act as a bridge. So we need new treatments. Um, and there's a lots of them in the pipeline that we are very excited about. But the Kimtrak one is the one with the most robust evidence. And we're hoping that that will shortly go on to the PBS um, mm. and be available to everyone around Australia. At the moment, it is available, but just through a compassion access mechanism, which is very generous and is still available, but it's only been given in certain centres around the country because you need a certain degree of expertise to administer the drug safely. So there are major centres in every capital city that are using the drug, and hopefully that experience will be able to be expanded around the country in the short term. Yeah. As you're speaking and speaking about these groundbreaking treatments and some really exciting opportunities, to me, it, it really highlights the importance of the support for clinical trials in these types of areas. And some, hopefully, you mentioned at some point in your interruptions to clinical trials is a, a really important mechanism in this whole oculomelanoma. Is that right? The clinical trials are essential. So we're not going to make advances unless we know for every drug how well it works and what the side effects are mm. and how tolerable it is to patients. We have to do clinical trials to move science forward. There are clinical trials for ocular melanoma, generally speaking, and again, in most capital cities. Mm -hmm. They come and go from time to time, but we work closely with drug companies as well as other oncologists to bring those trials to patients. And we often have patients moving around the city, if not the country, sometimes looking for clinical trials. Mm. And is there any particular opportunities that you see that's in research that's underway that you see as real exciting treatment options that might come to head in the future? Yes, there certainly is a number of things that we're working on. So certainly we need better treatments for the melanoma that is spread because we're not, at the moment, we are certainly helping people live, well, much longer, but we're not necessarily curing anyone. And working with Leanne, we started a trial with one of these drugs to shrink the melanomas in the eye. So that's a sort of world first that we now have access to a research drug that may be able to shrink the tumours in the eye to the point that it makes Leanne's job easier. Mm. So that research is in progress. Again, at the moment, that trial is open in Sydney and Melbourne, but we have patients, again, who are moving around the country to access that trial. 
Uh, we don't know yet how well it works, but certainly sufficient. there's sufficient premise to think that that might be helpful. And we're working closely with the drug company to see if we can bring that idea globally to patients around the world who have the same issues. And Leanne, you know, Anthony mentioned there's patients that are moving all around Australia to be able to access some of these treatments. And I think about some of the challenges that patients living in rural and remote or or interesting places of Australia might have in accessing treatment. How have you seen in terms of patients' access to treatments? Do they always need to travel into capital cities to be able to receive treatment for acute melanoma? Yeah, so being a rare cancer, um, most of the treatments are located in major cities And we are fortunate to have good treatment centres now in all of our major cities in Australia and New Zealand now. Mm. Probably 30 years ago when my colleague was doing this work, he used to have patients coming from Asia and other countries also. So it's good to see that, yeah, around Australia we're really well equipped now. But we do certainly have a lot of patients who come from rural regional areas for their follow-ups and that type of thing. And so, yeah, they do a lot of travel every six months to monitor their tumour and their progress. And so it's helpful to them. They do get some government subsidies and other things that help with travel and just incorporating this new routine into their life. So, interesting, yeah. I get the fun job in these conversations in thinking about those questions that someone might have come to mind when they receive a diagnosis for the first time of oculomelanoma. Are there typical questions that patients might have or or might want to ask their treating clinician when they first receive a diagnosis? Definitely. So there's obviously firstly the shock about even realising that you could get a cancer in your eye. Mm. But following that, patients are often concerned about obviously life and vision in their eye. Yeah. Um, And so we often start off with saying that the priority is life. We need to treat things so that things don't spread and we can save your life. The next priority is saving the eye, which is not always possible, but sometimes is. And then after that, icing on the cake is vision. Um, but we are also fortunate that we can save lots of eyes now mm. and also have some treatments that we, where we can improve vision even if it is decreased from our treatments. Yeah. Yeah, being the radiation. And is there other terms or interchangeable language or we use these terms all the time and we're speaking of particularly frequent Are there terms that patients might hear and go, what is that? And you might need to provide some clarity. Yeah. I guess the language is a little bit different to your standard cancer pathway where yes. other people are a bit more familiar with other cancers like skin cancer, mm. breast cancer, where you typically have it surgically removed and then maybe do radiation and things like that. It is a bit of a different pathway in that we don't always cut it out first and the mainstay of our treatment would be radiation Mm. and that does have impacts on vision. And then, yeah, where we do surgery, then it's quite major surgery, which is nucleation, which is eye removal. So a little bit different and terms that perhaps people or a a cancer pathway that people are not quite familiar with because it is a little bit different to your routine cancer where you do a biopsy and then you move forward. Yeah. And for a patient that might be diagnosed with ocular melanoma, are they more likely to get other types of melanoma? Should they double down on their skin checks? Like what's the? I don't think that there's a, a clear relationship that means you're more likely to get a skin melanoma. We have skin melanoma is very common, and so there are a lot of our eye melanoma patients who have had skin melanomas yeah. before. But I think that always skin sun safety is also is recommended on the whole to prevent all other. Types of cancers also. Sure. Yeah. 
And I'll go to both of you lastly then. Any other final thoughts or anything you want to make sure we get across or include out on in particular? I guess just in the public health message from both of us, if you see something unusual with your vision, always seek medical attention. I don't know, Leanne will probably know better than me about how often people just put it to one side. I'm seeing something fuzzy, my vision's gone a bit blurry. But given the advances in medical technology and treatments that we have, the smaller the melanomas, the better. And so if you notice anything, please don't put it off. Please seek medical attention and rest assured that you will be seen and treated appropriately if they do find anything concerning. Mm -hmm. But don't put it off because you're afraid of what might be found. The ophthalmologists in this country are all very highly trained and they provide you with very accurate advice about any visual disturbance. Mm -hmm. That's definitely one of the things that you can be reassured about. And the other one is, I guess, even in, in rural and regional Australia, we use telehealth a lot, so don't be, don't put that off about traveling. Once there is a problem which is addressed and we know what we're dealing with, these days a lot of what we do can be done over telehealth and with your uh, local radiology practice in the closest large country town mm. without having to travel regularly. So a distance is less of a barrier even these days for clinical trials. Don't be put off by that if that's what's concerning you. Um, regular eye checks like a skin check mm. get your eyes checked go to your local optometrist they have really good wide field imaging now so yeah keep it up to date like your skin get an eye check and that's it for another episode of the spot on podcast make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member if you think they'll get some value mscan acknowledges the traditional owners and ongoing custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded the gadigal people of the eora nation Remember that all the content discussed in these episodes is for information purposes. Please make sure you speak to a medical professional for advice relating to your own specific situation. This podcast is brought to you by the Melanoma and Skin Cancer Advocacy Network, MScan, who are providing a new, innovative approach to tackle Australia's national cancer. For more information, visit mscan.org.au.